Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, hello. We are back with another Worldview Wednesday show for you. Today is Worldview Wednesday, No Porn November edition. And I am your host, Kelly Newcomb. And I'm Chelsea Hiesel. Kel, how are you doing over there in Texas? I'm good, good. Just sort of rocking and rolling as most people are this time of year. I've had some live speaking events, which are always fun, actually several in one week. I love getting out there in the community and talking to parents and students. And, you know, it's like as my kids have grown out of elementary and middle school, I sort of feel like I miss out a little bit on the pulse of some of those younger generations and that culture. So it's good. It's good to be back out there and talking to parents. So thank you to everyone who came out to hear the Brave Parenting message. And you know what, Chelsea? No surprise at all, but one of the biggest parents' concerns is pornography. Just talked to a parent last night, still struggling. And you know what they told me? Where are they finding that pornography? They are getting on that pornography on the game console. Mm. That's the forgotten place. And so I just want to reiterate that again as we get rolling today. Um, it's, it's, you know, how we can, you know, we need to control screen time and all of that and, and put limits on. But man, we just need to know where they can get access to it as well. So anyway, I think we're right on uh, target with the pulse of parents today based on what I had heard this week. So, but how are you? How are things in Ohio? Have you had to turn your heat on yet? Mm, haha. <laughs> um, actually, no, I refuse to turn on my heat. Um, <laughs> my husband said that we saved $100 on our last utility bill, and I was like, we're never turning on our heat ever again. <laughs> By layering in blankets. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, no, everyone's fine here in Ohio. Uh, we just celebrated Halloween or Reformation Day. That's Happy right. Reformation yes. Day. Happy post-Reformation Day. But yeah, we're continuing our little mini-series here um, in No Porn November with headlines related to this topic. And next week, you will not want to miss out on our sort of uh, expose on sugar dating. So if you have an older teenage girl about who's about ready to graduate high school, this is an absolute must episode for you. Um, I would even say for boys, though, too. Wouldn't you, I think, like I think so. I mean, the more we're diving into all of these topics, I really think girls of any age, it's really just it's teaching a, um, a Christian ethic on sex yeah. overall. Yeah. Um, so I, really, it's all ages, but it is especially those about to graduate, going into college, going on to their own. Absolutely. So we're just going to jump right into our headlines today. And I think, Cal, you're going to I am going to kick here. it off. Yes. Okay. So this, this headline reads, The Ungodly Surveillance of Anti-Porn Shameware Apps. This was posted on Wired on September 22nd, 2022. And it says, quote, similar to surveillance software like Bark and NetNanny, which is used to monitor children at home and school, quote, shameware apps are lesser known tools that are used to keep track of behaviors that parents or religious organizations deem unhealthy or immoral. Fortify, for example, was developed by the founder of an anti-pornography nonprofit called Fight the New Drug and tracks how often individual masturbates in order to help them overcome, quote, sexual compulsivity. Still quoting this article, they say, What's common across Covenant Eyes and Accountable to You and Ever Accountable is their zero-tolerance approach to pornography. All three suggest in their marketing materials that not only is watching porn a moral failure, but any amount of porn consumption is bad for your health. Their solution, promote purity through what they call radical accountability, a concept wherein a community comes together to confront a person who is living in sin. At its most basic level, the idea is pretty straightforward. Why would anyone watch porn if they are going to have to talk to their parents or pastor about it? End quote. Mm. I, 
I see you shaking I, your head. <laughs> I I have so many thoughts, but I you know. go ahead first. I read the, first. I read this article, and I cannot lie, I was mad. <laughs> we were already researching this pornography, the last pornography episode that aired last week, and I saw this, and you know we were writing and using uh, resources like Covenant Eyes and Accountable to You, and so when I read this, I was just whoo. Um, it's written with so much hatred to the church. And I think that's what made me the most upset. But with that said, I really did think deeply about what they had to say and um, just about the issue of pornography, the church, and, and God's people finding true freedom from sexual brokenness. And so here's where I landed. Wired actually hit on some truth, although not fully. Where they are wrong, of course, is that watching porn is bad for your health. <laughs> They really are promoting in this article, um, how dare you tell me that porn is bad? That's the overall message that you get from this article. Um, And while as Christians, we don't call it, quote, moral failure. I think that that language is just inflammatory language used to sort of incite Christians. Um, But we do absolutely call it sin. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it is outside of God's design for sex. We discussed that in our last podcast. But where they can potentially be right, however, is that the church isn't doing a great job of addressing the issue within each local body. The mere fact that consumption of pornography is the same inside the church as it is outside proves this point, right? We talked about that last week. I could really suggest that inside the body of our church bodies, um, we have a pride issue. I mean, we really do. Shocking. Shocking. those who have never watched porn or never struggled with temptation or addiction or any of that, we may all tend to have this immediate visceral reaction to someone in the church who is using it. And what is that reaction? I, I believe it's judgment, right? We're all judging. If I can be honest, um, this may be the case with a lot of sins, um, whether that be a sexual sin like adultery or watching pornography or a gambling addiction or, you know, stealing money, you know, from your company or whatever that may be, right? We all like sort of shock as though we're above it, as though we're above sin. (laughs) We're not, right? Any one of us is capable of the very same sin. We are born with a sin nature that automatically makes us have these sinful desires. (laughs) Praise God, right? For Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, who paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, so that all who believe in him may have forgiveness of these sins and peace with God, right? Hallelujah. So let's just look at one instance, how Jesus handled sinners so that we can learn from this example. John 8, 1 through 10, in this section, he's he's talking to um, his people, he's teaching. He says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they sent to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. Okay, so it was a little bit of a long passage. You've probably heard it at some point, but I think it's really poignant here. Here we see Jesus um, basically saying, hey, n- not a single one of you are above sin. Now, none of us, we're not Jesus, right? We don't have the power that he has. However, there is a biblical model here that we can absolutely abide by inside the church when we hear that someone is trapped in sin. Let him who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. We must really desire and pursue humility. Part of this article was basically saying that the church was not acting humbly, that they were judging and that they were sort of casting stones using these apps. 
knowing and remembering that not a single one of us are above sin, we have to remember, like what we said in our last episode, nothing goes from A to Z, right? There is ministry that can happen between B and Y. And we cannot do that ministry if we're casting stones. So we need to be open and have these conversations in our small groups, in our churches, and without judgment. Because y'all, people are using <laughs> pornography. It's just, that's just what it is. So we need to be have, having open conversations about it without judgment. And all that said, I think that Covenant Eyes and Accountable, Accountable to You are fantastic resources. And when someone is struggling with sin, you know, consents to an accountability app like that for the purpose of healing, this is healthy and good. And yes, you know, there can be some serious shame involved with someone knowing every website you go to. I mean, frankly, I think that would happen if every single one of us, I mean, even if we're not watching porn, I don't know if I want someone (laughs) publicly knowing every single link I click on, even though it's not bad. Um, So yeah, there are going to be some potential shame in there. But through that, that's where God is going to provide the healing. And this is just simply how it works with sin. You, you can't do it by yourself. It does take um, accountability, especially when it's something as insidious as pornography. So as members of the church body, I really think that every one of us can work and practice um, humility better. Um, we do have a pride issue. We just have to be honest. We do. There is an immense volume of brothers and sisters who are struggling with this issue. And they need safe place to get help. And there is no better place than, that, than the church. So I say we, let's, we all pray for humility and pray that God emboldens these, these people and all those brothers and sisters in Christ that are trapped in this grievous sin so that when they confess, they find the loving arms of the local body of believers. That was good, Kelly. I Yeah, I remember when you found this episode um, right before we did our pornography episode, and I was just shocked at how aggressively people are fighting back at those who want to be free from the enslavement mm-hmm. of pornography. As you, um, as you said, like, if you want an app like this, what's crazy is you might not be able to find them anymore on certain app platforms, like purchasing platforms, because the app stores aren't hosting them. They're like, oh, no, this is... This is dangerous. This is um, well. They're calling it shameware. Yeah, sh- shameware. Yeah. You, like, was it Google? Is it Google Play? Is Google that right, Play? Paul? Yeah. Google Play. Yeah. You can't even find some of these um, um, accountability apps on Google Play anymore. It's just absolute insanity how hard the world promotes this enslavement. And when I look at this through the lens of a biblical counselor, I really want to remind our brothers and sisters, and myself, and you. That guilt isn't necessarily a bad thing. Mm. It's not. In some Mm -hmm. instances, guilt helps us realize that we have sinned against a holy God, like by trying to experience sexual gratification outside of God's design for sex and marriage. Guilt is okay. It's not necessarily a bad thing. When David was crushed over his sexual sin with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, and he experiences extreme guilt. I would just encourage all of our readers today to, to read it and listen mm-hmm. to the um, physical, like the biological re- reaction and the spiritual reaction um, of guilt that David experienced. In fact, it's in Psalm 51 where he says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Mm-hmm. Or then to reiterate that, in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, this is where Paul is talking about the letter that he wrote, the Corinthian church, the first letter. And he was concerned because he had to tell them some really hard truths. Good, but he spoke in love, you know, speaking truth in love. That's one of our biblical commands to to our one another's and our brothers and sisters in Christ. But he says um, in verse nine, for you became sorrowful as God intended. And so we're not harmed in any way. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness What eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. Guilt is okay. Yeah. It's okay. 
when we know that we have sinned against a holy God because it produces something in us that is good, earnestness, indignation, alarm, a longing, concern. It is good. I'm just going to, I'm going to reiterate this. It is a good thing. It is okay. It is not something as Christians that we run, a, we, we run away from. But of course, we can take a good thing and make it an ultimate thing. Guilt is not a good place to stay. We don't get stuck there um, because it can be really dangerous and it can become an idol. And we have to remember in 1 John 1, 9, that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The redemption made available to people through the sacrifice of Christ, well, it's really, honestly, it's mind-boggling when we realize truly how sinful he are, that he would take on the sin of men and women, be crushed for us, bear the wrath of God for us, and then allow us to take his righteousness on. It's downright unheard of, well, because it hasn't happened in any other religion. Mm. <laughs> and using tools like Accountable to You or Covenant Eyes are wonderful ways to help people experience that redemption and freedom. I don't know, Kelly. In the end, we have to remember that the world, i.e. the devil, hates everything that we just said. <laughs> yes. He hates sexual freedom. He hates men and women who thrive in monogamous marriages. He hates it all and will absolutely do things like this to make these kind of apps unavailable. This is downright mm-hmm. spiritual warfare. Let's just, really let's just be honest. Yeah. 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 The fact that you can't... Um, yeah. I, the article says that according to Wired's investigation, when they presented their investigation to Google Play, Google Play removed them based yeah. on Wired's investigations of this, which I'm um, just going to show that, uh, yeah, I mean, this they're, they're kind of out for... <laughs> it is. And Whoever's you know, doing this investigation, sisters? I have a feeling, really enjoys porn. And <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Because like we've said in earlier episodes, hey, if you want to find a community to justify your sin, you will find it. You will find it. That's on right. On the internet. And I just say to our brothers and sisters in Christ, do not be ashamed of the pearl uh, worth good value. I think it's a Bonhoeffer quote, and I think I'm kind of like messing it up right now. But purity and um, covenant relationships and one another commands like Galatians 6 wants to bear each other's burdens, to love each other, to speak truth and love. Don't be ashamed of those things. Absolutely. Do not let, um, you know, investigations like this and apps like this make you ashamed of what God has called good. Mm-mm. I think he's, he's yeah, just, absolutely. that's all I'm, yeah. I really like bringing this article to the podcast because this is one of those things that you can see. And if your worldview is not solid, and if you're like, I'm Christian, but I, you know, you kind of dabble in all of the worldly things, this is one that's going to take you off. It could yeah. easily take you off guard and be like, yeah, I'm not moral. I'm not a moral failure. You know, I'm a good person. We all want to default to the fact that we are good people and we don't want to acknowledge, you know, our sin. And this is, a, this is an article that just blasts the church, blames the church. It is not, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not us saying, how dare you? You're a moral failure. It is us mm-hmm. saying there is freedom in Christ. Absolutely. We're not judging. We're just saying we've got a better way. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So it's it's just good to look at this from a real biblical lens. And I love what you brought about the guilt. I think that's that is essential. It is um mm-hmm. we often squelch that that feeling. We squelch the spirit in mm-hmm. that way. And we don't want to feel that that guilt at all. So yeah. Mm, okay. I'm gonna take us into our third article, which second I Oh, second article. Sorry. You guys, it's like seven o'clock. I know. I make. I woke up at five. Yeah. I I make. We we record early. Yes. They all know. (laughs) Okay. Here's the title Deep Faked. They put my face on a porn video. Imagine if your face had been digitally edited into a porn video without your consent and then shared on the internet. One woman reveals the horror of it happening to her. Scrolling through her Twitter feed one evening, Kate Isaac stumbled across a disturbing video among her notifications. Quote, this panic just washed over me, Kate says, speaking publicly for the first time about what happened. Someone had taken my face, put it in a porn video, and made it look like it was me. Kate had been deep faked. Someone had used artificial intelligence to digitally manipulate her face into someone else's, in this case, a porn actress. The deepfake video on Twitter with Kate, who campaigns against non-consensual porn, tagged, had been made using footage from TV interviews that she had given while campaigning. It appeared to show her having sex. My heart sank. I just couldn't think clearly, she says, 
I remember just feeling like this video was going to go everywhere and it was horrendous. Like revenge porn, deep fake pornography is what's known as image-based sexual abuse, an umbrella term which encompasses the taking, making, and or sharing of intimate images without consent. There's a marketplace for deep fakes in online forums. People post requests for videos to be made of their wives, their neighbors, and coworkers, and unfathomable as it may seem, even their mothers, daughters, and cousins. <laughs> Content creators respond with step-by-step -step instructions, what source material they need, advice on which filming angles work best, and price tags for the work. A deepfake content creator based in Southeast England, Gorkum, I think that's his last name, spoke to the BBC anonymously. He began creating celebrity deepfakes for his own gratification. He says they allow people to realize their fantasies in ways that really wasn't possible before. Later, Gorkum moved on to deepfaking women he was attracted to, including colleagues at his day job who he barely knew. Until relatively recently, deepfake software wasn't easily available, and the average person wouldn't have the skills to make them. But now, anyone over the age of 12 can legally download dozens of apps and make convincing deepfakes in just a few clicks. For Kate, what's worrying and really for Kate, that's really worrying and very scary. It's not the dark web. It's the app stores right in front of our faces. Okay, so and wait, wait. These apps are available on Google Play, but accountable to you and Covenant yeah, Eyes are not? Absolutely. absolutely. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my I word. Can't, I, can't, I wish we had some video <laughs> of us right now because <laughs> getting like hot behind the collar. Like <laughs> I, I even read through that ahead of time, but still, when you read it out loud, it I know. just like feels like a gut I punch. Know. <laughs> So I think this idea of deep fakes, honestly, like seriously, Kelly deserves its uh, whole yeah. like its own episode. But I mean, we're we're just gonna cover it in a brief second here. Um, but it echoes just another reason why kids should not have their own personal devices. Am I am I wrong or in that one? Yeah, like, personal platforms, like all that. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, you got to limit the amount of videos and pictures. Apparently, you're putting out of yourself because yeah. you never know what's gonna happen. Absolutely. And I would even argue why kids should not be on the internet at all. But that mm -hmm. might just be another, that might be another episode too. Who knows? It's every episode, I think. It, it's ev every. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's not super hard to think biblically through this because on all levels, this is just horribly wrong. But you know what? That's what we're going to do because, hey, that's what we do. Yeah. Do you remember that movie, Alexander and the Terrible, No Good, Very Bad Day? Oh, I that? love that movie. Yeah. That is actually one of my family's favorite movies. I know. That, when I love say it too. When I say house school and they say boring and I say boron, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a quote from the movie. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I love that movie. Yeah. No. Hashtag blessed. I mean, like, <laughs> yes. that was like one of the best lines. Yeah. But yeah, we've watched it a handful of times too. Because honestly, there's not anything horribly objectionable in it. But there is that scene where Alexander mm -hmm. has found out that his face has been put on a lady's body. And of course, it's a risque picture. You know, mm -hmm. I think was she like a, a bodybuilder or something? Like I can't remember. But I think so. Bikini, or something, something like yeah. that. But kids just do mean stuff to each other, right? To get a laugh or to feel better about themselves. I mean, before we had phones, like when we were younger, kids used to write nasty messages about each other on the bathroom mm -hmm. walls. And the, you know, there were already serious issues, namely sin in groups of kids, but then to give them a phone where they can blast that sin through technology, well, it's gone horribly wrong. But hey, you know, now, Kelly, kids as young as 12 can download these apps and contribute to deep fakes. <laughs> Magical age of 12, apparently. I know, that's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, if you're listening and you're a little dubious about this claim, then I would encourage you to listen to our earlier episode on pornography. Um, and we'll tell you how young kids are viewing these types of things, these ty this type of content. And mm -hmm. I honestly think it would be a jolt to your system. We have to keep kids off phones and tech at the very minimum until 16 years of age. Social at 16. And yes, that includes gaming, like you said earlier in our episode. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just really want to encourage parents, please take into consideration the eternal position of your child before you allow technology. Mm -hmm. consider if he is saved or an unregenerate soul if you've got an adolescent who does not know the lord they should not be on technology i know that's really hard to hear and it's really countercultural, but it matters 
The Bible describes the unregenerate as individuals whose minds are darkened, who follow their passions, their lusts, their appetites, who cannot comprehend the spiritual realities of God, who seek their own glory and ultimately their own destruction. They are limited in the amount of good they can do. And technology is literally the devil's playground. That pretty much describes that guy interviewed in the article. Yeah. He, he started these deep fakes for his own gratification. Yes. I mean, yes. this is exactly what it is. It's the yeah. darkened mind who's following their own passions and lust and appetites, just like what I mean, this is yes. exactly what it is. We just read it about is. him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm just gonna say, as hard as it is to say this, <clears throat> but until they become spiritually regenerated creations, they belong to the father of lies. That's I, I can't I mean the book of John, I can't argue that. That's what Jesus says. And no amount of niceness or kindness or goodness that they exhibit is going to protect them from the insurmountable amount of traps and snares the devil has laid in technology. Now, you might be thinking not every unregenerate child is going to become a porn addict, and you're right. But there's gambling, there's LGBT ideology, there's climate activism, social activism, self-harm culture, drugs. So we much. just said, yeah. if you want to find a community of sin, you are going to find it on technology. Mm -hmm. And these kids literally have nothing inside of them to help them. They are not indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The son is not interceding for them at the right hand of their father. And their father is not the father of all mercies. The spiritual position of your child matters more than technology. And it matters greatly when they have to start engaging with technology, because eventually, right, Kelly, is going to happen. Mm -hmm. We cannot protect, we cannot keep them off of it forever. That's why we say social at 16. Yeah. So I just want to know, I'm not in like um, youth uh, ministry like you are right now or young, young adult ministry like you are right now. But Kelly, what are your thoughts on this idea? Have I gone like over the edge? Do no. you need to pull me back off the cliff? <laughs> like, when I read things like this, I like Mama Barrett and I am I like... Know. I know. Protect the kids. <laughs> you know, I always, I, I really believe that there is like this 75, 25 sort of thing. And like 25% of, of teens, of adolescents are just going to do the right thing on tech. And you don't know who those necessarily are. You just, it's, it's not necessarily a, um, a product of the upbringing because you might have kids who have broken homes and da, 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 but they just don't want to be on media and they just, that's not their thing and, or they're on it, but they're just not into all that stuff. Yeah, but 75%, I think, can get overtaken exactly the same way in the sense that they follow all of their darkened passions and, you know, lusts and all of that. So I think that as parents, we don't really know. And we're really not in as much control as we think that we are, except yeah. for what we, what we allow. Yeah, and what we absolutely. allow. And um, I was just reading an article. I think I shared it with you. But it starts by saying... Um, it's time for parents to start rising up against big tech. And I was like, oh, what is this? Uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> so I'm going to join the revolution too. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I've been saying this, right? Uh, but first, let me, let me start by saying, so there's two distinct conversations I remember having with my husband about advancing technology, where he warned me, this is going to change the world. So one was when he describes YouTube to me in like, I don't know, 2007, 2008. I don't remember mm -hmm. what year it was. And I thought, that's mm -hmm. the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> lo and behold. Uh, but I thought, what? Videos like that? It just didn't make any sense to me at the time, right? Um, the second conversation I remember him having was deep fake technology mm -hmm. and really kind of facial recognition technology altogether. And again, this was, I don't remember what year this was, but it was a long time ago. And how... It was driven by the porn industry. Mm -hmm. And as he described it to me years ago, I was like deeply disturbed. And I thought, how can the porn industry drive anything? Mm -hmm. Like that's yep. just like the nasty, like, you know, people in dark rooms, like, or whatever. Like I didn't know what it was. So yeah. to think that they were innovators behind tech advancement, it just didn't sit right with me. But oh boy, did the Lord and culture reveal, <laughs> right? You know, as I... Um, began raising teenagers and started preparenting like, oh, no, the porn industry is absolutely innovators of technology. And they are yeah. behind all of this. They're the one who dr has driven deep fake technology to what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I read a Psychology Today article and almost any sort of interactive technology has been driven by the porn industry. Webcams, mm -hmm. Zoom, FaceTime, all of that. Anything where you can interact more with wow. 
yeah, it's all been yeah. driven by porn. Wow. Oh, so disturbing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, kind of going back to your question, um, I absolutely believe there's a difference between how the saved teenagers and the unsaved teens are going to act with media. It really, mm-hmm. it really does 100% matter whether or not they're saved. If I could be honest, there's a difference between those who go to church and youth group and those who are really wholeheartedly surrendered to Jesus. Absolutely. Um, just like there's the you know, same difference among adults. Um, and it's really just like the book of Revelations, you know, you're either hot, cold, or lukewarm. And lots of adolescents are piggybacking off of their parents' faith, and they're just kind of lukewarm. And they're simply going through the motions, and these are the ones who are most likely going to cave to temptations and test the sinful waters, you know, that is, you may say, you know, before mm-hmm. they recognize wh- how they really want to live and who they really want to be. You know, and I mentioned uh, that the reason that uh, we are so adamant that full access to media and technology doesn't occur before 16 is also proven in this article. Deep, yeah. deep fake is just that. It is fake. Mm-hmm. But if you are so young, and I'm, I'm saying this because we did the magical age of 13, and there are kids right. on social media at age seven and eight, yep. right? And if you are so young that you still believe in Santa Claus, yep. or you're, you know... <laughs> You know, you're young enough not to be able to distinguish fake news or fake media personalities or politically aligned um, news stories, which is just everywhere, right? There's no possible way right. you can distinguish a deep fake. I don't, dude, I have, I, I don't have hard I times can. doing that. I was going to say, <laughs> I've seen the videos and I'm like, oh, that looks real to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. so these technologies are advancing to the point that none of us are going to be able to distinguish them. And so if we're expecting mm-hmm. children's, children who don't have fully developed frontal lobes, there is no way that they can process and apply truth to what they see. And uh, uh, hold on, I have one more point. Twitter. Y'all, she saw this deep fake porn of herself on Twitter. Mm. Now, (laughs) I have been pretty vocal about my disdain for Twitter and how much, quote, not safe for work content there there is on Twitter for years. And y'all, I know, I know, Elon Musk just bought it and fired all the top executives. (laughs) But we still can, can we just say that it is just like all the other platforms? These aren't safe. The fact that that there is deep porn being posted on Twitter that someone could find. So deep fake porn is a problem in itself. And the fact that it's posted on social media adds to that. I mean, (laughs) this is not how you flee from sexual immorality by walking straight into it on social media. Mm-mm. This is not how we teach our kids to flee from sexual immorality, by giving them devices and giving them access to all of these platforms. No, to mm-hmm. flee from sexual immorality means that you don't go anywhere near the road that it is on. You don't go anywhere near those social media platforms until you at least have a, um, a developed a brain enough to be able to say, uh, I don't want anything to do with that, or that's fake, or that's gross, or, or whatever. I mean, that just doesn't happen at seven and eight. Sometimes mm-hmm. it barely happens at 16, but it's much more likely at 16 than it is at younger years, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm done. <laughs> I just, it's like, you know, Kel, I did not have a moral past. You know, when the Lord saved me, I had a very immoral past. And like what Paul said earlier that I, I said, like what I quoted from Second Corinthians, he's like, what concern? Like, that's what it is, is like the Lord has brought us through this process of sanctification where now when I read these things, and our kids are involved, I get like a hold my earrings sort of like concern <laughs> like, for these kids because they're- Hold my, hold my hold earrings because I'm ready to fight. I am. <laughs> like, I'm ready to throw it down. Like, <laughs> and I know that's not the most appropriate response, but it's just this great well of concern for these kids because I know how destructive mm-hmm. sexual immorality is. You can't, you don't just like- Praise the Lord that he saves us from it, but you are in a lifelong process of trying to forget the things that you have done, and we can control so much by what we allow our kids to do on technology. Yeah. I just, we're going to be held accountable for our actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I just, we don't know what the future holds, but we know no. we're in a very shifting shadows. I mean, just everything is yes. just changing. And the one unchanging truth that we have is God's word. Absolutely. And that is just the foundation that we need to be not only setting ourselves up on, but setting our kids on 
Um, otherwise, we just have no idea where they're going to land. We have no idea where they're going to fall and what Absolutely. it's going to look like to try and pick them back up. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. okay. All right, let me hit our last article, and that is from Yahoo. We got this from Yahoo. Yeah. Instagram takes down Pornhub's second account after sex site tried to circumvent permanent ban. Oh, this was just um, uh, last week or week before, Wednesday, October yeah. 26, 2022. Again, all this stuff is coming out right as we were preparing for this, and it was just perfect. Okay, so the article states that, quote, Instagram has deleted a second account set up by Pornhub on the social service, which the adult content site had created after Instagram removed its previous at Pornhub account nearly two months ago in a permanent ban. In an October 18th tweet, Pornhub had said, quote, we are back on Instagram with our new official account, p.hub.forever. It has a black heart and a red heart, just in case you're curious. <laughs> By Wednesday, October 26th, the account had been removed. So we talked about this in a Worldview Wednesday, um, I guess probably about a month ago or so at least. Um, so the original Pornhub account was removed. And so here we go. The saga continues. So the article says, last month, Pornhub and several allies in the adult industry released an open letter accusing Instagram of a double standard and banning Pornhub, but allowing celebrities like Kim Kardashian to post photos with nudity. They said, quote, we demand an explanation and guidance as to why our accounts are continuously deleted and why content we spend money creating in order to engage with our audience is removed, even when we do not breach any of Instagram's rules, according to the letter addressed to senior meta executives. Before Instagram displayed Pornhub's original account in early September, it had 13.1 million followers and more than 6,200 posts. That came about a month after Visa and MasterCard cut off payments to Traffic Junkie, which is sort of the ad arm of Pornhub, parent company MindGeek. So the payment processing giants, Visa and MasterCard, responded after a federal court ruling in July rejected Visa's request to be removed from a case in which MindGeek, which owns Pornhub, is being sued for allegedly distributing child pornography and that alleges Visa knowingly facilitated MindGeek's ability to monetize the illegal content. MindGeek has said that it has, quote, a zero tolerance for posting of illegal content on its platforms and has instituted the most comprehensive safeguards in user-generated platform history. Any insinuation that MindGeek does not take the elimination of illegal material seriously is categorically false. I, I can't with this one, but... <laughs> you start. But I mean, I know. <laughs> I know. It is interesting, though. Pornhub kind of brings up a valid point. Why are they taken down when celebrity nudity isn't? Like, why? Why, yeah. why do they get taken down when Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian can stay up? I mean, it's, it is kind of a double standard. Mm-hmm. And before Pornhub ever had an Instagram account, Brave Parenting was begging parents not to allow their kids to have Instagram accounts because the celebrity nudity yeah. was available. Mm-hmm. And again, we're just going to emphatically encourage parents to please keep your kids off Instagram because there is so much pornography to even to find, even with Pornhub gone. That's like true. you, it's yeah. And I just I want to remind I've got two I've uh, got two passages from the Bible that I want to remind all of us of. Um, it talks about our hearts and sexual immorality, and yeah, it's in a reminder as much as it is for me as it is for our listeners and for you, Cal. But mm-hmm. Proverbs four twenty three, keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance. You've got to protect what you see, what you hear. Um, you've you've got to yeah, who it's you not, interact with. It's like, not it's, separate. There, there's not no. like this. I can do certain things with my body, and my heart is not affected. Exactly. It, you, you know, can't. Yeah. there's there's you can't compartmentalize it. No, 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 no. And then First Thessalonians four three through five. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. 
lust is incredibly destructive. Mm -hmm. And we talk about it in our pornography episode, but why don't we take it more seriously? I mean, it affects your relationship with God, your relationships with your spouse, the people you influence, like your children. It affects you personally. We should be parents and individuals who do radical things to avoid porn. I mean, Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, you gouge it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, Kelly, that's pretty (laughs) radical. Now, he's not literally saying like, hey, go gouge out your eye, but rather do anything necessary to prevent or prohibit that sin from continuing to persist. And we need to be a people who are radical in their approach at the very minimum to kids and technology because we know what exists in the technological realm. We know the world is pushing for more access to porn. This article is sufficient proof of that. Mm -hmm. And I just, I've got, I feel like I have, I don't know, Game of Thrones. You guys, that is not a television show that any Christian should be watching. Like it's, it is full blown pornography. I've never seen it, but I hear that. I've I've heard it. (laughs) Yes. So I did some like reviews on like, you know, uh, Common Sense Media and some other places, and I could not imagine the amount of nudity and uh, sex scenes in it. And I heard and it's I violent he- too. It's very violent. And I hear Christians like talking about it. sex, yeah. Yeah. Like, have you seen God or Game of Thrones? And I'm like, absolutely not. I can't even <laughs> watch Friends anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> praise the Lord for his sanctification. But we need to be willing to say no to technology until kids are at least 16. Because you know what? The accessibility to it. I mean, you guys are in our pornography episode. Pornhub was deemed an essential service during the COVID lockdowns, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like grocery stores were an essential service. Let's just, let's just, I mean, yeah. yes. It's Kelly, what are the, your thoughts? Yeah. I'm really curious. I'm curious because um, for the past couple of years, I very carefully look at the statistics that Pornhub's put out because they put out a lot of very detailed stats. So when I say very carefully, like I type in like pornhub.com forward slash statistics <laughs> and I want to make sure I only get to the right. stats page. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I'm curious to see if the if their traffic uh, dropped or anything when their Instagram account got booted. I'm curious what their 2022 yeah. stats are going to look like because right now the only thing that's up there is the 2021. So I don't know. Part of me says I can't imagine that they would feel too much because they already have their claws into so many people that surely their Instagram account getting booted didn't change much. But I honestly don't know. I mean, perhaps this it was a huge way of hooking young people was through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, we'll never really know because they don't admit that anyone under 18 consumes their content. They just act. Oh, I love yeah. how they, what did, what did you quote? Um, oh, or I quoted, I guess I said, I read it. Oh, we take the, you know, <laughs> we take it so seriously. We have a zero tolerance for posting. Get out of here. Y'all. <laughs> I mean, when we realize mm-hmm. that these are not Christians, these are people who, who would not consider lying wrong. Right. They consider it business. Um, right. So that's the other reality. Um, they're just trying to save their butts because they make a millions and millions off of this. What I do know is, um, you're absolutely right. We do, um, they, they have a point with taking, you know, this fact that they're taking up the dualism with the meta executives. There is so much garbage out there, whether it be the nudity of celebrities, you know, trafficking mm-hmm. rings, sextortion. I would like to think that meta is working on taking all of it down, but how do we really know? I mean, right. we really don't know if Kim Kardashian can still post nudity or Kylie Jenner can, you know, post these nasty pictures um, of mm-hmm. themselves, which are clearly um, just sort of pornifying everything out there. Um, you know, are they just trying to cover their butts and not get wrapped up into that whole um, lawsuit of financial contribution to child pornography? I mean, is that why Instagram and right. why Meta kind of kicked them off? Right. This is kind of where... I think there's this gray area of morality comes in. You know, the world has such a nuanced view of morality. It's so subjective. Like it just can change all the time. It changes like the shifting shadows of the day. At 9 a.m., morality is no sex before marriage. But by 8 p.m., it's how should I dress for the club so that I can, you know, hook up with someone tonight, you know? Mm -hmm. Or it's, oh, I have the most wonderful, loyal wife at 5 p.m. But at midnight, you're on Pornhub. I mean, it literally can change mm. just like that. That is how shifting, you know, our morality is. And, and our Father in Heaven has provided us with objective moral truth about sex and sexuality. It has not changed. Y'all, we have changed. Society mm-hmm. has changed. We are the ones who corrupt God's creation with our sin. 
culture is not making you sin. Frankly, you delight in your sin. Yeah. We all do. That's why we do it. That's why we desire things that we shouldn't desire. We are the ones who have gone astray from God's objective moral truth. We are the ones who listen to the word and then we don't do what it says. That's just, that's just it. Listen to James 1.18. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at themselves in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You see, the first article we read, you know, condemned the church for calling pornography a moral failure. Mm. And God has given his word, his objective truth that is unchanging about morality, about purity, about sex, and the context where all of that belongs. God has time and time again judged nations and individuals for their sexual sinfulness as a warning, (laughs) right? Not suggestions. They are commands. (laughs) They make up the perfect law that gives freedom. That culture in the world is saying us that freedom is your ability to have sex with whoever you want and whenever you want and to watch whatever you want. God's word on morality and sex isn't meant to condemn you or to take away your, quote, fun. Rather, it's meant to liberate you from the consequences of sin on this earth, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, how many of us love consequences, right? Do you love tragedy and suffering? I mean, none of us really do, right? None of us love divine punishment. So the answer then is to look intently into the word of God and not forget what it says. Don't act like you don't understand God's design for sex and marriage. Mm -hmm. It's out there. We can't. Rather, we need to do what it says. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Acts 15.20 says to abstain from sexual immorality. Romans 13.13 says to walk properly as in the daytime where everyone can see, not in orgies or sexual morality. 1 Corinthians 10.8 says we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. Colossians 3.5 says put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and first this Thessalonians 4.3 says, for this is the will of God, as you said before, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. I'm just wondering, like, where do we think that? This? I mean, it's very clear. We, we just can't act like we don't know what God's word says. Right. Time and time again, it is, God makes it so very clear that sexual immorality is not okay with him. So why are we Christians looking at God's word and deciding this is not what he has said? If the church body could unify ourselves just about this one topic, because it is so very clear, yeah, then I don't think we would see articles like this from Wire blasting the church for its hypocrisy, referring back to the first article. Yeah. I mean, I would just love to see parents teaching this to their children. I mean, if you aren't having the pornography conversation, I do pray that you're having morality conversations, that you're having... God's objective moral truth about sex conversations. I truly, truly believe that teaching objective moral truth to kids at young ages is the absolute best defense against their potential descent into pornography consumption. Yeah. It's like holding on to this A in the sort of A to Z progression, you know, where they go from A to Z and we don't know how they ever ended up. How did they get here? There's all Mm -hmm. these small steps along the way. There are so many things that we can do to prevent them from going from B to Y. If you hold on to the A, which is this objective moral truth, you'll be changing the culture one child at a time. Okay, I'm off my, mm. my soapbox. I, <laughs> girl, I could sit here on this soapbox for a long I, time. We're very passionate about this. These, these articles make me mad. I know, yeah. Righteously. I mean, like, I just, I, I hate that this is out there. Um, but God, this is still, for whatever reason, you he's, know, the, the mystery allowed, of God, allowed, he has yeah. allowed it. Yeah. And, and if we can be honest, if you go back into history, as Paul is writing to some of these churches, like the church of Galatians, I mean, all they're, these are terribly, Corinthians, I mean, terribly sinful people who are engaged in all types yeah. of the same stuff that we're seeing right now. Yeah. Well, it's I've nothing heard it new taught- under the sun. 
No, it's not. I've heard it taught that Paul was so emphatic about this in most of his letters, almost in all of his letters, because the Gentiles did not have any sort of sexual ethic like the Israelites did. God arguably gave us a sexual ethic. It did not really exist, this whole idea of monogamy, you know, sex in marriage, not before marriage, no child brides, all of that did not exist without his law. And that's why we as people should read Psalm like 119 and be like, I delight in your word. I delight Mm -hmm. in the precepts and the law because there's freedom, like you said, and liberation from all of those consequences. Yeah. Why don't we delight in his word more, Kelly? Like why? 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 I don't know. Sin just pleases the flesh too much, right? Maybe. I mean, yeah. I w- yeah, I would, and that's the that's when you get Maybe to the point the where the question. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, when you get to the point as in your walk as a Christian when you do delight in the word and it is your life, it is your daily bread. Um, man, it's just it's such a it's such a fantastic place to live. It is, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it really, it really really is and yeah. I hope that I hope that we inspire you a little bit to do that more and more mm-hmm. with every Daily episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, these mm-hmm. are just three of the headlines that kind of highlight the porn um, in, the, in the news, what, we, what we're seeing. I mean, these are all recent um, in the past like month or so. And um, just looking through it biblically, I hope that uh, you are encouraged, um, maybe even righteously you know, angered as well that this is what's yeah. going on. And these are the lies that are being told to, to our kids um, so subtly. And so as parents, it is our job to counteract all of these lies and to really teach the objective moral truth, to have the conversations about what's going on in culture, what's going on in the world, and establish objective truth for them. So mm-hmm. awesome. I hope you enjoyed this No Porn November edition of the Worldview Wednesday. So as we wrap up this episode, I just want to remind you, share this podcast with fellow Christian parents. You don't have to start the conversation yourself. Let us do that for you. And yep. then, you know, have these conversations, especially with your kids, friends, parents. The best thing you can do is to influence their other parents as well so that your kids and their peers are hearing similar messages at home. Yes. So like, subscribe, all those things, just so that other listeners and believers can find our podcast. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. We pray our ministry to you is a blessing. Be sure to tune in next week as we take a cultural and biblical look at the trend of sugar dating. You will not want to miss it. All right, guys, until then, parents, go and be brave. (laughs) 